Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Chronicles chapter 13 from the World English Bible. David consulted with the captains of thousands and of hundreds, even with every leader. David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if it is of Yahweh our God, let's send word everywhere to our brothers who are left in all the land of Israel, with whom the priests and the Levites are in their cities that have pasture lands, that they may gather themselves to us. Also, let's bring the ark of our God back to us again, for we didn't seek it in the days of Saul. All the assembly said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David assembled all Israel together, from Shihor, the brook of Egypt, even to the entrance of Hamath, to bring God's ark from Kiriath-Jerim. David went up with all Israel to Baalah, that is, to Kiriath-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there God Yahweh's ark that sits above the cherubim, that is called by the name. They carried God's ark on a new cart and brought it out of Abinadab's house, and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. David and all Israel played before God with all their might, even with songs, with harps, with stringed instruments, with tambourines, with cymbals, and with trumpets. When they came to Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. Yahweh's anger burned against Uzzah, and he struck him, because he put his hand on the ark, and he died there before God. David was displeased because Yahweh had broken out against Uzzah. He called that place Perez-Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring God's ark home to me? So David didn't move the ark with him into David's city, but carried it aside to Obed-Edom the Gittite's house. God's ark remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months, and Yahweh blessed Obed-Edom's house and all that he had. That's the end of chapter 13. Right off here, we see David in action as a humble king, engaging with his people and particularly with the leaders. He's not trying to be a one-man show. Remember that pretty much all of the leaders were military by default, hence he talks about captains and all that, because they were there to protect the land, not because they were supposed to be oppressing the people under their military rule. And David wants them to all come together as God's people. The phrase in verse 2, our brothers who are left, may be referring to the fact that many were just killed in the same battle that Saul and his sons were killed in, which is referenced in 1 Samuel 31 and 1 Chronicles 10. As part of this gathering of God's people, David wants to bring back the Ark of the Covenant, which per Exodus 25-22 was where God, Yahweh, would meet with them and speak. He designated this. 
So I thought it would be interesting to go over a summary of the history of the ark so far. So in Exodus 25.10 are the first instructions for making it. In Exodus 40.21, Moses brings the ark into the tabernacle. In Numbers 7.89, Moses is described as hearing the voice of Yahweh from there. In Numbers 10.33, we hear about the ark going before them and leading them. Then in Joshua 3.3, the ark is specifically carried across into the Jordan ahead of the people when it divides so they can walk over. And then in Joshua 6, the ark is carried around Jericho. I did not find any references to the ark in the book of Judges. It didn't come up again until 1 Samuel 3.3, where it is mentioned that the ark is in the temple where Samuel is as a boy. Then in 1 Samuel 4, the Israelites presumptuously take the ark into battle, treating it more like a good luck charm, and the Philistines capture it, and Eli dies just as Samuel had prophesied as a boy. In 1 Samuel 5, we hear about the ark being transported around the land of the Philistines for seven months and various horrible things happening to them. And then in 1 Samuel 6.1, the ark is returned via a cart to Israel. And in 1 Samuel 6.19, we have the men of Beth Shemesh who die for looking inside of the ark. Now, this was a Levitical city, so these men should have known better. Numbers chapter 4, verses 15 through 16 speak very specifically about not touching the sacred things. And um, we learned that it's a Levitical city in Joshua chapter 21, verses 8 and 16. Make that clear. Then in 1 Samuel 7, 1, the men of Kiriath-Jerim take the ark to the house of Abinadab, and that it is there for 20 years until Samuel then calls the people of Israel together and says, if you will follow God, and then the story goes on from there in Samuel. But we don't hear of the ark again until 1 Samuel 14, 18, where King Saul requests the ark when he's in a bad way, but he had already been rejected as king. He's not seeking God at this point. And it doesn't take but a moment, but then he stops even doing that little bit of asking that he was pretending to do. And so then we end up at 1 Chronicles 13.3, which is also the same as what is recorded in 2 Samuel 6. But let's talk about geography for a moment. There is no exact agreement where Shihor, the book of Egypt, refers to, but in context and comparing it to the more easily identified Hamath, we can see this is all a description of come from the furthest corners of the land. Hamath is very northern, according to the American Bible Society Atlas, pages 18 and 21, maps 12 and 18, respectively. Using my ruler with the map legend, Hamath is about 230 miles north of Jerusalem. A similar distance south would pretty much be the Nile River, which is one of the suggested meanings of Shihor and could be an alternative name or a description of its muddy water. We also see that Kiriath-Jerim is also known as Baala. There is an, this is in fact also mentioned in Joshua 15.9. This place, Kiriath-Jerim, is not too far from Jerusalem, about 10 miles due west. 
But verse 7 is where things go wrong. David should have known. The Levites, the priests, should have known how the ark was to be carried. All of their singing and rejoicing were without knowledge. Even the near history of what had happened with the ark should have given them some clue, not to mention they knew God had given some very specific instructions in the law. They should not have lazily resorted to how the Philistines had transported it. The ark is not an idol or a talisman, but it was where God chose to make his presence known. How they treated it was how they were thinking of God. The story, the account, illustrates why practically the cart was a bad idea, and then it led to sin to not properly view it as holy. From a spiritual point of view, it is very important that people understand how holy God is because then they know how bad sin is and why we need the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If people don't know how bad sin is, they won't think they need forgiveness and they will end up in judgment. Sin leads to death, not just physical death, but the example of physical death helps us understand the seriousness of sin. The death of Uzzah was like that of Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 10.2, where they presumed to try to approach Yahweh with their own ideas of appeasement and worship, exemplified by the strange or profane fire, depending on the translation. Yahweh is not being picky or capricious. He is teaching and emphasizing extremely important things. And another example of this was in the New Testament in Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. Yes, God, the one and only Yahweh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, loves us with a love that is perfection itself, but we can still only enter into relationship the way he says, only through faith in Jesus Christ, having shed his blood for our sin. We cannot offer him any other profane recognition or worship, no matter how okay it seems to us. There is no other way. And so, Uzzah died. And you might say he died for our benefit because the scriptures are for us. David's reaction in verses 11 through 12 run the gamut. First, he's just mad, but he quickly moves to fear, meaning he is gaining a better understanding of who God really is. And this fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Look up verses like Psalm 1919, Psalm 111.10, Proverbs 1725, 9.10, 10.27, 14.27, 15.33, and even Acts 9.31. If Perez sounds familiar to you, it is probably because it is the name of one of Tamar's twins from Genesis 38.29, so actually one of David's ancestors. This poor child was named according to how the birth went, the same reason David used that word here. It means bursting out. In verse 12, David finally asks the right question, and we will read the final good result of that in 1 Chronicles 15 and 16. But meanwhile, Obed-Edom has no problem treating the ark appropriately and is greatly blessed for it. Curiously, Obed-Edom, which literally means servant of Edom, was a Gittite, which means he was from Gath. So Goliath was also a Gittite, but it doesn't mean they were related in any way, just at some point. 
they were their family was from there. Another reference to Gittites is 2 Samuel 15, 18. It says that David had 600 men of Gath who were supporting him as he was fleeing from Absalom. And one more comment about the name Obed-Edom. You remember that Ruth and Boaz named their son Obed, so they literally named him Servant. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 